on another exciting edition of Animation Deliberation. It's a fine time here at Animation Deliberation because our coverage of Young Justice Season 3 Outsiders is finally coming to a close. We're finally able to move on to some new Young Justice content. We're going to get all into that right after some ads we have no control over, so don't use that boom tube to go anywhere. We'll be right back. Sing along if you know the words. A one, two, three, it's time for Animation Deliberation. A conversation and a celebration of our favorite action animated series. Yeah. Welcome back to Animation Deliberation, the podcast that takes action, animation, and cartoons seriously, but not too seriously. I'm your host, Jay Scotty St. Clair, and I am joined by the sole mo- member of my quote unquote team here, Zuhair Ali. What's up, Zuhair? How are you? I'm staying whelmed. How about yourself? Doing good, doing good. I'm astered and not jected. We got a new uh, little one of those. We've got whelmed, astered, and now jected. And there, there's one other one that I feel like I'm missing. What is it? Uh, trot? Yeah, trot. Yeah, I'm whelmed, trot, and feeling the aster. That was the yeah. line. Yeah. And now we've got jected, which I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but that was one of my favorite parts of these, <laughs> these episodes we're going to be covering. With that in mind, we're covering episodes 22 through 26, the final five episodes of season three of Young Justice Outsiders. So before we get into the nitty gritty of these proceedings, we will do a little bit of housekeeping, including the next of our five star reviews that we're going to read. So Zuhair, what have you got prepared for us? So we got one from Staying413. I've really enjoyed listening to the What If episodes. Made me remember how much I loved Young Justice. Looks like it's time for a rewatch so I can listen to the recaps. It is always time to watch Young Justice, whether there's <laughs> recaps or not. We're just happy that you're going to be listening along to us. So uh, thanks for the review and thanks for listening. Yeah, definitely. Thank you, Stang. And thank you to everybody that submitted those uh, five-star reviews. We look forward to reading more of them in the in the coming weeks here. Ain't no thing but a review from Stang. <laughs> nice. Well done. Well done. All right. So. Let's just get right into it. I kind of told you off air that I feel like these five episodes, you could kind of take the first three and kind of bundle them together and then the final two and bundle them together because the first three really work into conjunction in conjunction with conjuncture conjunction. I don't know why I'm having such a hard time with words right now, but they work in tandem together to tell us the basically the conclusion of this story with the light and their partnership with Granny Goodness and the various um, arms of the incognito justice league for lack of a better term all that kind of coming to a close and then the final two episodes are really just um, more character driven um, especially in, in terms of artemis but we'll we'll get into that so um just picking up with ep- episode 22 we got uh anti-social pathologies again always appreciate the the titles here so while uh, coming off of the rescue of Dick Grayson and Jefferson from Granny Goodness, Dick is not recovered quite quickly as quickly as Jefferson has. He's in this like feverish state that has everybody in kind of dire straits. And then uh, we actually kind of start to see the unraveling of the partnership between the light and the acolytes of Apocalypse um, when they start to argue over what to do with Halo, and that uh, puts the character of Helga Jace right into the the crosshairs. So, Zuhair, uh, what were your big takeaways? Uh, you know, I'm always attracted to 
the Batman side of things. So it was cool kind of seeing that family uh, without their cows. So we got mm-hmm. I think it's probably the first time we saw Alfred. Uh, no dialogue from him, but Alfred, Tim, Barbara, Bruce, all of them together, like making sure that Dick was OK. Like it actually looked like, you know, a family concerned for one of their sons slash brothers more than, you know, just a teammate being injured. So we got to see everyone's level of concern, even though some were, you know, worried over pancakes. But to see that mm. little interaction was was pretty cool to see. But, oh, Jefferson's screaming match with them. Oh, yeah. Like the the, anti, uh, the, ex- the explanation of the anti-life thing was just one of those things that kind of went over my head. It's just kind of like so you can control them. They they have no. That's all I need to know. Okay, True. it was like a really long explanation to tell you like one simple thing. So I was more fascinated with just like how fed up Jefferson was when he found out that they were like working together and this and that. And you see, uh, McGann and Connor kind of have a bit for a little bit, but Beast Boy's pissed off, Connor's pissed off, Jefferson's pissed off. I'm just mm-hmm. like, oh, this this yeah. snapped really quick. Yeah, yeah, that's been a long time coming. It was definitely the standout for this, the episode for me, and and definitely Jefferson is one of the standout uh, characters for this season. But as I'm thinking back on it, I'm kind of wondering, like you brought up the fact that you get to see the whole Bat family unmasked, and that's kind of what makes the gears start to turn in Jefferson's mind. But what really does it is Helga kind of making mention, like it, it's awful that it takes like tragedies like this to bring everybody together. But that's really. Yeah the main thing that get, causes him to to make it all click and he has that blow up but it just makes me wonder like we it gets revealed this episode just the exact nature of her insidiousness and her uh manipulations i wonder if she even like kind of knew him well enough to knew that that was going to be his reaction and use that as a, her opportunity to kind of slip away with the yeah. markovs was it um was it cyborg that was like what is their relationship? Is Bruce Wayne Dick's dad? And then like Beast Boy kind of like changes the conversation on him. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, don't think about it. Don't think about it. Don't think about it. Secret identity is <laughs> still a thing. <laughs> yeah. The Bat family, aka Batman Incorporated, can get a little uh get a little complicated. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I guess the other thing that really took place is just we've known that Tara, Tara Markov has had some um unsavory allegiances and still communicating with Slade Wilson, but this is where you really get to see like the level of I, w- I won't call it full on Stockholm syndrome, but it, there are certainly elements of that. Just the again to use the term manipulation, but there's a lot of manipulation that's going on here. Slade that word very, was used in a later episode, so I think it's pretty accurate. For sure. For sure. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, just the way he's able to remind her that he's the one that's like toughen her up and like it it it's kind of I'm I'm struggling for the words here but it's like as difficult as this is for the heroes and whatnot and as, as heartbreaking as it is to see them all kind of breaking up like that it's believable while why she would lose her her faith in them so quickly with just a little bit of prodding from him yeah so. our heroes aren't perfect and that's what makes the show uh, great and makes you actually like latch onto these characters as as often as they're like butting heads with the villains a lot of times they're having these interpersonal conflicts about the compartmentalization of information and whatnot yeah from day one of the show there's issues with teamwork and communication and 
them not being able to live up to the skill set and abilities of their mentors. And that's been a common theme throughout each of these seasons. So, you know, hats off to the Young Justice staff for consistency of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, um, at any rate, um, as I mentioned, this episode kind of starts the unraveling of the partnership between the light and uh, Apocalypse Darkseid and, and Granny Goodness and whatnot. But at the end of this episode, it really um, leaves things off where it seems like Granny Goodness is getting what she wants because she ends up with Tara at the end. And um, as I recall, no, no, it's not until the next episode that she actually activates the anti-life equation. Yeah, this is the one where they get the the cerebral collar onto Mm. Halo and Tara breaks her little chip off, breaks off Breon's. And while Ultra Humanite uh, escapes and Granny Goodness escapes with Halo. Right. That's when they go home and they're like, hey, where's Dr. Jason? Halo. It's like, yeah, we got a problem. Yeah, but that's not before Granny Goodness uses her. What is it? The X pit, I think is what that thing is called. Basically, the thing that um, uh, was it? Yeah, is it Overwatch? yeah overseer (laughs) overwatch yeah over is it overlord 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 yeah yeah sorry there's so many over over characters i'm so used to saying the word overwatch like on a regular basis it's like yeah that sounds right yeah um at any rate she uses that x pit to basically cause helga to confess to everything she did which is as i mentioned really just bad crazy and yeah evil <laughs> yeah she's she's weird yeah they're my children no no it's not how that works <laughs> yeah and then just the way she's like, like even when she considered violet her her child but then like her scientist mind like once she realizes that she wasn't directly responsible for her creation she rejects her it's like very very mommy dearest stuff <laughs> Yeah, as soon as she went to like, oh, and that's why I seduced Jefferson. I was like, you bitch. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I. That's yeah. rude. I really feel for Jefferson. He does not have it easy. He's getting betrayed by everybody on all sides, and I do appreciate the fact that we've talked about it before, but like, especially in the earlier seasons where Nightwing, Dick Grayson, Robin, really wanted to emulate Batman earlier on. He's, he's really become his own, his own man at this point in time. And he steps out from behind when we still think he's in a fever and tells Jefferson, like, I'm the one that you're really mad at. And I can't really ever see Batman making that kind of statement. He didn't. He repeated his line of, um, the mission comes first. Right. And then even at the, not again, not to get too far, far ahead of things, but when, Jefferson and, and Batman kind of have their heart to heart. Batman acknowledges that Jefferson might be the better quote unquote leader, but he still has to have like that line that it's best for the mission. Yeah. <laughs> and he's going off against uh, Calder too. It's not like it's just him and Bruce. So Calder comes oh, out. Sure. He's like, you're not even apologizing. He was like, I'm sorry you feel that way. Does that help? He's like, yeah, no. Yeah. and. Was it at this point that Megan and Connor, like Connor discovered Megan's involvement? I think it is. Like, this is when they first have that kind of like glance across the room at each other, but it doesn't really start to come to a head until later on, right? 
Yeah, I was wondering. I mean, it happened like soon after that moment. I was wondering mm-hmm. what was going on because like their arms were moving, but like the lips weren't animated. I forgot oh, that yeah. they like they speak telepathically, and then right. Beast Boy kind of gets in. It's like you were in on this too, and she like jumps off like the crap. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm still with right. you. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, oh, that's why they did. I was so confused. I was like, why did they cheap out on this part? Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's one of the great conventions of the show. Just having McGann uh, be the catch-all for so many things. Uh, anything else you want to say about antisocial tendencies, or anything you you feel is worth bringing up? I'm just trying to think who Beast Boy was talking to, who told him that like Wonder Woman was involved. Was it Calder? Uh, no, it was Barbara. Was it Barbara? Yeah, yeah, yeah. because they were coming at her too. It's like you of all should True. people should know, like not to get too involved. And they always call her out too. Yeah, yeah, and she's again. She much like Dick. She's one of the ones that actually like, even compared to Calder, like like you said, Calder kind of doesn't take the blame. He says, "We're sorry that it made you feel this way," but at the end of the day, this is what needed to be done. Barbara is much more empathetic. And I, I don't think it's until the next episode again, but she kind of has that moment with Batman, which I really appreciate where, again, he's bringing up it's what's best for the mission, but she's like, whose mission is it? Seems like it's your mission because everybody on this covert team is one of your former protégés. Yeah. Everybody has been trained to listen to him. Oh, it's like, oh, snap. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, and I'm so glad it was Barbara. <laughs> I love the characters in this show so much. Mm-hmm. They're all mm-hmm. so perfect. Agreed. All right, agreed. All righty. So I think we can move on to the next episode, uh, which is Terminus, which I just, I just want to get it out of the way. <laughs> that whole sequence with Nightwing and his fever dream, imagining playing video games with Kid Flash, one of the best moments of Young Justice ever. I was so delighted. I had the biggest smile on my face, was just laughing. And again, that's where we got that whole jected, jected, jected. Ejected yeah. when when they're beating all the parademons. Oh, so good. The coolest thing about it was that like before they went in on the mission, it didn't click to me that it was the OG team that was together. No, oh, me neither. It's just like, oh cool, Calder's working. Okay, Tigers is there, McGann's there, Dick's there. And then like when they went to think, I was like, oh crap, that was smooth. It just totally slipped my mind that it was like the original crew until it hit that action sequence. And I was like, oh, that's tough. And then like, same as you, it's like I had the big smile. It's such a beautiful moment. I thought this was really cool. But then when everybody was like, hey, we felt and saw everything you just saw, it was like, oh, that's rough. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it is. Like, I just wanted to give them all a group hug. Indeed. Uh, indeed. If only we could, if only we could boom tube there and, and give him a hug. Uh, but just getting back into the, the proceedings of what's happening with the, the larger conflict here. Um, they don't really waste much time with granny goodness, actually being able to activate the anti-life equation and basically use halo as this uh, conduit to, uh, I, what do they say? She reverses her polarity or something like that. Something like that. Okay. Yeah. So basically the signal starts to get emitted throughout the I'm, I'm not going to say multiverse yet but the the universe and it takes out the league members pretty quickly and that kind of puts us in that position where we have to have um, that OG team that you're referring to and then this is where Vandal Savage is the one that actually tells them where to find Halo right? Yeah he just shows up in Titan's Tower and he was like 
this is where you find him. It's like, what's the catch? It's like, just tell him that I'm the one that sent you. But right. in regards that's to the, the Justice League, it's important to point out that they were going to rescue like hundreds of metahuman teens. Mm. I think it was like 300 or something like that. Um, And they even had the dialogue of like, it's getting a little too easy to get in here. Like, keep your guard up. And that's what it was like. Ha, got y'all. <laughs> yeah. Oh, let's see. Javelin. Who's Javelin? That's the name of the ship that the Justice League came in on. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah. So Jeff and Virgil are together, but that's just those are just kind of like little vignettes. They're showing what's going on with Jeff with his fallout. Um, yeah, I, I guess the majority of the episode here takes place in the in the orphanage, and oh, they were talking about how um, humans were like more pain by the anti-life equation because you see like the three lanterns and elongated man like oh yeah, yeah, yeah really sick and like practically dying and then once she took over um our main members of the team you see artemis and dick starting to struggle too mm-hmm. yeah yeah and um was this the episode when blue beetle Mm-mm. no that's that later one. on oh, okay okay yeah this sense. is um this is basically focusing on the main team yeah, the okay. stuff that Dick was going through and then them getting captured too before it rotates to meanwhile on the outsiders. Sure, sure, sure. Which makes sense. And then I have to imagine like Dick having his uh fever dream, and I guess it's his connection to Miss Martian basically has everybody have the shared experience where they get to see everything that he saw with Wally West Kid Flash running around and um them all basically being the young versions of themselves. That has to be kind of the First, first things that kind of reopens that wound for Artemis Tigress, even though she's clearly showing up as, uh, I, I guess her name was just Artemis. Mm. And she didn't really have a. Yeah, that's that's her name. She didn't have a code name. Nome Dagor, no hot lava for her. I mean, that episode kind of ended with all of them being captured. So, I'm not sure if there's anything else to really talk about from there. Yeah, it is. It's kind of interesting that it is kind of a, a filler episode in that way but it kind of goes back to what i was speaking on just uh these three episodes kind of working in tandem so closely to get us to this final confrontation but yeah and that's the beauty of putting these episodes into clunks as we like <laughs> it because uh some of them just work a lot better together oh, than certainly. others. certainly but yeah definitely one of the most poignant moments just anybody that's been watching the, the show since season one great payoff with that that moment there all right, and then, yeah, things finally do come to a head in the next episode, Into the Breach. And that's where the Outsiders, our title characters, make their, their final attempt to save Halo. And it's been kind of a funny thing. I remember when we were doing, like, part one and part two of our coverage, I kept saying, like, oh, this is why they're calling it the Outsiders, because we have all these, quote-unquote, Outsiders that have collected. And while I do still think that was true to an extent, um, I guess there really was like a team called the outsiders in the comics that had various members, but it's kind of funny that none of those members that were in the comics are a part of the official outsiders that we have Ooh. in the show. It's one of those yeah. subtle nods to the comics. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I guess one thing that was um, worth mentioning that kind of like got peppered in, in the first um, couple episodes is that there is like a rival team to the outsiders was it um infinity, infinity incorporated yeah. yeah yeah 
which we find out is basically a front for Lex Luthor. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, uh, yeah, this one is just basically the rescue mission, the final confrontation uh, with Granny Goodness, and Beast Boy has a pretty brutal battle with her, I will say. And there's a lot of, like, really harrowing moments. That's where I got kind of ahead of myself talking about Blue Beetle being in the um, the ex-pit there and the scarab kind of has to dip out, like, really quickly and just, like, leave him there exposed. He's such a jerk, and then he comes back, he's like, oh, don't worry, I'm saving Reyes. It's like, <laughs> no, you just ditched me in there. Yeah, yeah. And then the, I'm forgetting his name, but the guy who teleports, like, that was so, like, brutal to see him struggle. Oh, yeah. As he came in, it's like, no, get, get, um, get Virgil first. He grabs him, and then he's like, I can't get a hand on my bearing. So I was like, oh. Yeah, I know his name's Eddie. All of you. I don't know his uh, hero name or if he has one. Ed, that's what it was. Yeah. But no, I, I definitely agree with you. I, it kind of, like, gave me that feeling of anxiety, like, almost like you're, you're underwater and can't get up. Like you're almost like yeah. trapped under ice every time he's trying to come up. It's blocked. Oh man. Yeah. Very, very unsettling. I don't know what was worse, like being stuck in that or getting pummeled by granny goodness. Cause man, the amount of concussions that beast boy was supposed to have after that, especially when he was a snake and kept getting his head bashed into the wall and the blood was splattering. I was like, ah, yeah, that's not yeah. fun. It was rough, yeah. And then when he turns into like the alien creature that we don't recognize at all, you can still see that his eye is so incredibly swollen. I feel and like I've seen that one a couple times. Have we? We might have. I think it was the last season when was they it, were okay, on space. Rimbor or something like that. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah that would make yeah. sense. Okay. And I, I wouldn't put it past the show to make a, a nice um, visual reference like that. So yeah, yeah. And then uh, the other part of this, like three-prong fight for lack of or multi-prong fight you've got these various fronts but uh victor has really come into his own and is basically able to go toe-to-toe with overlord who we mentioned before and again just talking about like the level of like graphic and gruesomeness in the show when overlord throws that spear at him and pales him the first time like somewhere in the back of my mind i was thinking you know this is taking place in cyberspace so I wonder what is it going to be like the matrix? Is it going to have like affect him on the outside world or not? But just seeing mm-hmm. that blood like pouring out of like that cavity in his chest was just, I mean, it, again, you're not seeing any organs spill out or anything like that, but it's again, I have to imagine for like younger audiences, it can be pretty unsettling. Yeah. I mean, for us, thankfully it's not meant for kids anymore. It's yeah. meant for <laughs> us to enjoy. It's like the, the graphics of the show has aged as much as we have in the time that it's been out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, those those are really good sequences. I don't want to. The dialogue was predictable, hmm. but I enjoyed it too. Like it was still well done. Like I I got the point that he was going to say before he even said it. But talking about being an athlete, and he was like Victor Stone oh, right. quit, and I have to. But you know this this Victor Stone won't get the job done. Like I have to be cyborg to do this. And I'm just like, okay, I like it. Yeah, we do get a little uh, booyah at the end of the day. I love the booyah. Keep yeah. that coming. <laughs> me too. Me too. Um, it, it is worth mentioning. I made the Neo comparisons, but he does go full or the Matrix comparisons, but he does go full Neo and realize that he has control over over cyberspace and is able to 
Takeover Lord out, which uh, it's funny to see Granny not so confident. And it's funny, she's been teaching people lessons um, for so long and disciplining them. I love how everybody takes the opportunity to start teaching her lessons. Yeah, and, right. uh, The final one was just so unexpected. What are you doing, boy? Lesson number three, don't get distracted. <laughs> like, yes, Cassie. Yes, yeah. Use that lasso of truth. <laughs> no, that's when she just straight decked her. And then oh, she, was she decked her? No, oh, she was okay. already yeah, yeah. in the lasso. Oh, yeah. because It he flash spun her up, and then she just yeah. gave the knockout punch at the end. I was like, that's yes! Was. Yeah, yeah. Good call. Good call. <laughs> she's such a tank. Like, I love when she just comes in and just wrecks shop. I'm like, ah, she's so cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She is no Keezy Femme. But yeah, Cyborg really is the uh, the MVP of this this yeah. huge battle because because he defeats Overlord, they get out of that state and have the opportunity to go toe-to-toe with Granny Goodness because they're not all dying. And then she figures out what machine is causing it. So she, he grabs Blue Beetle. They yeah. both like sync up their weapons, take down the machine, and then he boom tubes over to... Uh, the Justice League to save all of them, like, yeah, yeah. MVP. And then I can't remember exactly what it is that. It, oh, it's uh, the destruction of that device basically causes uh, Granny and Gretchen to split into two, and he's able to get that footage, which um, basically outs. Granny well, that's what the world. gets them to come back together. Like they've been to. Right, right. I said it. I said it the opposite. Yeah, they, yeah. they, they were allowed to exist. Yeah, they were allowed to exist in separate places, and you kind of see them morph together. Correct. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Um, and then, uh, just it's making me think of it again. It, it happened in the last up episode that uh, we forgot to mention it, but just having the Justice League be incapacitated and then uh, rehabilitated here it did set up kind of a, a nice recurring gag where we talked about Guy Gardner a little bit and his um, buffoonery, but. I did. I do love how he can never get elongated man right. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure he's doing that on purpose too. Oh, just for to sure. Mess with them. For sure. For sure. I mean, he's like and, the millionth character to be super stretchy. So. Yeah, yeah, and we made the comparisons of Guy Gardner and Metamorpho, but liking Metamorpho more, and I, I got a real chuckle when you see the two of them appear on monitors right next to each other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, one for the javelin, the other for Batcave. There we go. There we go. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Anything otherwise? So Halo regains consciousness and has to... Like, What is it that repolarizes? Or is it the destru- destruction of the machine? Does, does that? No. Re- Cyborg shoots the cuff off of her face. Oh, right, 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 right. And okay. then she starts freaking out. She was like, I need to rely on my instincts. And then the instincts is what gave her the the rainbow Halo. Right, right. Okay, yeah. She gets to use all, yeah. She gets to go full spectrum and that's rainbow power. Cool. And then you see her, Cyborg, Superman, and Captain Adam just start to blow up the ship. And then the right. lanterns are the ones who put the shield around it. And Guy had some line afterwards that made Diana laugh. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And then Granny turns tail and gets out of there with the father box, but not before. Uh, Superboy is able to make up on that uh, promise to Vandal Savage and let her know that he was the one that told them where to find her. Yeah, because we see a scene later on where Vandal and Darkseid are kind of like coming back to terms and you see Desaad just like torturing Granny. 
because she failed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dark side. Uh, what little I know about dark side, he does not take kindly to failure. If you know anything about Steppenwolf, he can tell you a thing or two. <laughs> uh, let's see. Yeah. The other thing for that is, um, Jefferson and his black lightning suit is up in front of the UN and kind of called out Lex and found out that the uh, Infinity Inc. is under him. Oh, yeah, is that... uh, Yeah, yeah, you're right, because basically all those accusations come out and Lex has an answer for everything. Like, you can't pin me to any of this, but... Oh, wait, no, no, yeah, it's Jefferson that does all that, and then... Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, I'm getting ahead of myself because I'm thinking of Superboy's moment that he has. Yeah. Good call, good call. Oh, maybe that was later. I think, yeah, I'm thinking those scenes work in conjunction with with each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, it says, Victor with the footage of Gretchen really is, joins the Outsiders as Cyborg. Meanwhile, Infinity Inc. is revealed to be working for Lex Luthor. Okay, so he unveils the footage to everybody. That was the okay. that was the UN thing. And that's when Justice League started looking good again because they rescued 300 kids. And then they were trying to, like, put goodness media or whatnot. And they were like, oh, no, like, these are the same effects that we use in our show all the time. Like this was totally like not a real footage. It's like, eh, it's not how yeah, that yeah. Cause, cause good studios made that show that Gar was appearing on though. With yeah. The Clamulons. I can't remember the name of the show, but I remember the Clamulons because kid flash appreciated the <laughs> Clamulons so much. <laughs> I'm um, so excited to find that helmet. Yeah. And I, I, it is worth mentioning when, um, Victor chooses the name of cyborg. It's like, they they take the vote to see if he should be a member of the the outsiders and i think it's um oh no it's superboy yeah yeah superboy is the one that says like hey that's all well and good but is this something he even wants and it's 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 great again just to see a character like superboy that i i think about in season 1 like his main thing was just like being a rage monster and hating yeah. monkeys just to see him like have so much maturity and development is is really nice patience <laughs> always talk about patience. I think I have learned the thing about uh, too about patience, brother. Anyway, well, what do you say is like, uh, don't get in trouble, finish your dinner, and be in bed by ten before they went on the mission. <laughs> Who said that? When um the main team was talking to uh Forger, Tara, and Brian, uh. <laughs> and he was like, "You know what to do, right?" She was like, "Yeah, don't get hurt. Finish my dinner and be in bed by 10. <laughs> they all looked at him, and he was like, "I'm kidding. I know what I'm supposed to do." <laughs> right, right. <laughs> That's a good gag. <laughs> it threw me off. I was like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> You're cracking jokes. Right on, right on. Good stuff. Oh, this, this is backtracking a little bit, but yeah. when um when when Beast Boy was upset that uh Barbara. And that little Illuminati, as they called it, was like staging all of the successes of the mm-hmm. Outsiders. And he was like, Condiment King? He's like, that was all you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, is a, that is a great call. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good times. Good times. Okay. So then we've got, with Granny being defeated, I was kind of expecting that knowing that there were two episodes still on the table and kind of the way they left things off with granny telling dark side that vandal was the one that betrayed her. I was like, Oh, okay. So this is going to be the big fallout between vandal savage and dark side. 
which was kind of alluded to all the way back into, I think it was episode 11 evolution where we got like kind of Vandal Savage backstory and we got like the information that essentially Darkseid and Vandal Savage are working together, but it's kind of like a perpetual state of stalemate. They're just waiting until they're the last two players on the board until they can have their final final battle. And I thought that's where it was going. Uh, but it doesn't quite go there. A lot of that apparently happens off camera. Yeah. Or off screen. Uh, but we do have episode 25, which I will say, like I talked about the first three episodes doing more to just um, do the footwork to bring the narrative to a close as far as all the threads that we had for the season. Uh, these final two episodes were just really nice character focused entries. And I talked about how, you know, having Wally West appear in Dick's fever dream and, and Artemis reacting so, so strongly to that. This obviously sets her up for the, the journey that she takes in, in this episode with one of your favorites. Zatanna, it's kind of a I reversal. Said it since episode one. Anything that Young Justice puts in has relevance in a future episode, and this was definitely like the perfect setup of like, hey, we're gonna throw this moment in here because guess what, Artemis is still dealing with it. And mm-hmm. yes, Zatanna just looks more and more beautiful with age. <laughs> um, it was awesome being able to see her, and is it's sad that they had to manipulate artemis where it's like i don't know how many times i need to tell you that i can't bring the dead back so it's like hey mcgann just make her see stuff and make her figure it out herself it was really cool when they were trying to get like her attention they were watching tv and like satana Mm -hmm. was doing a magic show on tv it's like for my first trick i'm gonna make the sun appear then (laughs) hello megan popped up she was like let's just turn the tv off yeah yeah that was pretty good and uh it felt like it was like almost a reversal of a scene that we got um earlier on in the season when Artemis accompanied Zatanna to visit Dr. Fate and her father Zatara. And they had like that line, like we're not here for this part. We're here for the aftermath. Yeah. And you, you have the same kind of thing. It was, who was it? Um, Rocket and McGann. Was that it? I thought there was maybe one more person. Maybe not for this episode. Yeah, maybe not. Yeah. No, it was Rocket. McGann, Zatanna, and Artemis. Okay. Because at okay. the end, McGann and Artemis were walking together, and Zatanna was explaining to Rocket what the yeah okay. what they actually did, which I feel like this is the only reason she was there, just so they could have that conversation for the audience. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, because yeah, in the earlier scene, it was Violet was there with them, right? Because that's when Zat- Zatanna made the first reference that she's like a old soul in a young body, or Doctor Fate did. Yeah, Halo and Artemis were together, and Zatanna was there to talk to Doctor Fate. Okay, okay, maybe that because maybe Zatanna that's... was late, so she was like, "Hey, while we're waiting on her, can you look at this person?" Yeah, yeah. So yeah, obviously Artemis needed to have this. She calls it closure, catharsis with um, how she's feeling about her late lover Wally West, and a lot of that is. Not only triggered by what I mentioned with the fever dream with Dick, but also there's been, we've talked about the various budding romances. Um, it's it's always been one of the parts of the show. But the Will Harper, Artemis kind of awkward relationship there. And when he sets up like a nice vo- 
Valentine's dinner, they share a kiss, but that's when she runs away and says, can't do this kind of hugs that photo of Wally and, and just breaks down and, and starts saying sorry. And that's when she seeks out Zatanna and all along the way, Zatanna's like, I, you don't want to do this. Don't thank me for this. Just try not to hate me afterwards. And I, I was expecting the worst. And it, I really appreciated the fact that uh, they gave, they gave the character that closure. And it was almost closure for us as the audience as well. Yeah. I need a Zatanna in my life. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, I, we've already made like a couple of comparisons, how uh, the show came out before WandaVision, but there are like some <laughs> connectivity to WandaVision, but that whole, like what's the baby's name? Where is the baby? Like, and the baby just disappears. Like, Ooh, it was like, Ooh, this is like, it's like we said we weren't going to name it. It. <laughs> yeah. So messed up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wanted to name him Wolf if it was a boy. Yeah. (laughs) We're not naming our baby after Connor's dog. (laughs) Yeah. I'm actually glad that you bring up uh, Wolf there because I guess on the other side of things outside of Arnimus's journey she takes there, the other side of the thing is um, Forager gets to have a little adventure with Superboy where he gets introduced to Geranium City. And that's where we get to go back to, to season one. And Superboy's origin with the the Genomorphs. And so they've apparently got this whole city that they've been I won't say thriving, but they've been they've been existing and, and not been interfered with. What's that? Just vibing. Vibing, yeah. I won't yeah, vibing not thriving. But uh Double X the leader, he starts to kind of call Superboy out. He's like and that's that's what actually reminded me the, the the line about Wolf where he says, yes, our brother has a habit of collecting strays wherever he goes because that's because he still sees him as an individual. But when they say stray, uh-huh. like Wolf pops his head up and is like, uh. <laughs> just kind of sits over with them, too. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Like, I never thought about it as that much of an issue. Like, I thought they just wanted to live in peace. I didn't realize they like actually wanted to be out in the open. So it's like when he was calling him out, I was like, have you ever had the conversation with Connor about this? Because I'm not sure he entirely <laughs> understands how you feel. Like You can't yeah. be mad at him for something that he never knew you guys wanted. Y'all are the telepaths, not him. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. And w- what was the one telepath's name? Craig? Like my, yeah, my Craig and friend, Karen. My oldest. <laughs> yeah, Karen. I forgot about Karen. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, that looks like a Karen. <laughs> like, Forager, say hello to Karen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but Craig had the cutest face when he was like, my oldest friend. He had the little like squinty eye and smiled, and I was like, aw. As cute as a genomorph can be. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. It was really cute how they were just like sitting and having coffee and stuff like outside in the cafes and just going grocery shopping, just doing normal things as genomorphs. Yeah, yeah. And it's, I know you'll probably get a, a real appreciation out of this, but with the character Forager, um, as much as I like him, with the whole concept of Fred Bug, I'm, I'm glad that Forager can just be Forager and we don't have to deal with Fred Bug so much anymore. I'd rather not deal with either of them, but sure. Oh, you, you're not a fan of Forager either? Just, just learn a freaking pronoun. <laughs> they have a strong sense of identity, okay? Sense of self. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess the other thing that was, or the other story arc that was, was taking place there is the Markovs, Terra, and Brion get to relink with their brother for the first time since they 
since Tara had been kidnapped and Brion had been exiled. And I feel like most of that is kind of set up for the next episode, but it is what it is. Yeah. So moving on to the next episode. <laughs> yeah. Why not? Let's just go for it. Actually, uh, before we do that, I did want to mention with Will Harper uh, having made this little like date night for he and Artemis, uh, he put Harper in charge of Leon and you don't get to spend a, a ton of time with them, but it is a, a nice little moment. Harper was Violet. Violet Harper. Excuse me. That's fine. <laughs> Have a, I think we did that last time too, but there's Harper... a lot of characters to keep up with in the show. Oh, for sure. For a sure. lot. And Harper didn't really come back as I recall, but yeah, no, I haven't uh, seen her yet. Yeah. It's Violet well, Harper that's doing the babysitting. I'm glad you mentioned that because we forgot about the whole Metron part yeah, of this. Yeah, that's why I brought it up. Yeah, yeah. So what? What he shows up, he he creates a boom tube that takes Cyborg, Violet, and Leon to his realm. Again. Yeah, <laughs> where he basically tells them he kind of pulls a, a Jace a little bit, a Helga Jace, where he because my technology has persisted through you and you've evolved into something else. You're now my grandchildren. I like how every time they open their mouth, it was like the, the mother box and father box sounds. It's like, what are they saying? Yeah, that was interesting. Yeah, that was really interesting. Yeah. But then beast boy was sitting there, you know, doing the like various shape, shape shifting and whatnot. And, And Leon was like, again, 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 I was just waiting for beast boy to get tired of it. And, Kudos to him for not getting tired of it. He kept sticking with it. But then, of course, after they get boomed to back, first thing she says is again, again, she has <laughs> no idea the concept of like what danger she was in, even though Metron was pretty quick to point out that he was not going to do yeah. anything to her. So. And they got home. She's like, how did it go? It's like, um, yeah, that was pretty normal night. <laughs> Just relieved that Leon was fine. Right. Yeah. Don't tell mom the babysitter got boom tubed. And that was a really quick trip, too, because Beast Boy was still as a monkey. Like, he didn't go ask for help or try to figure oh, yeah, out what he... happened, too. They just came back. He was like, uh-huh. Yep. Good old Beast Boy. Okay. Uh, yeah, so we made the allusions to the final episode here. Episode 26, titled Nevermore. And... We talked about how Brion and Tara were visiting with uh, Gregor. So this is apparently the first time Gregor has left Markovia. And in his absence, we get a character who we had not seen since like the first two, three, four, five episodes. Uh, Bedlam. First part. Yeah, the first part. Um, Bedlam, their uncle, has staged a coup and reveals himself as the uh, new king of Markovia and disposes young Gregor. So that uh, puts our heroes in the position of having to mount a counterattack. Who's the psycho dude that broke him out of prison? Count Vertigo? Was it Count Vertigo that got him out? Yeah, he like goes into the prison, takes out the guard, and then his uncle and other dude okay. get taken out. Okay, that makes sense because yeah, I knew because Luther knows that the king's not in the country anymore, so it's like, all right, execute. Oh, okay, yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah, okay, 
Yeah, because I, I knew Count Vertigo was in the proceedings, and the main reason that I remembered that he was there is because Nightwing got to throw his... Is there a, a better term than baton for that weapon? I think they're just batons. Okay, I didn't. I know with your martial arts experience, I thought maybe there was a more appropriate term, but baton was the first one that came to mind. Yeah, he smacked some square in the head, which was pretty <laughs> satisfying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this episode definitely got uh, pretty dark, because like we said, there's a history of uh, Tara and Deathstroke and what they're right. capable of doing. They were talking about like killing Beast Boy. Yeah, yeah. Just when you thought that uh, Breon had the patience not to kill his uncle, like he just got so mad with everything going on. He's like, you know what? Screw it. Just shoves lava down his throat. Like you see it coming out of his eyes oh. and nose and all of it hard. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. It's a, a very dark moment. And his uncle basically says, like, it, this won't end and not until I s- cease to draw breath. And he's like, OK, then that's all I need to hear. And yeah the lava goes into his mouth, out his ears, out of his nose and hardens. And it's really dark and nasty. And uh, I'm loving yeah. rated our young justice. <laughs> yeah. I they, love do, the they don't go too much. It is no, no, like yeah. a decent amount. It's, it's no invincible level of stuff. No, I can give anybody nightmares or anything <laughs> Thank like God. that. But it, it's still, <laughs> it's still very effective, especially based on it's the escalation of what we've seen up until this point. And uh, I did love the way they play it because I really, I felt for Breon so much. We'd seen so much growth in him actually develop that patient. He went from being a petulant would be younger prince to an actually capable hero that can actually make good judgment calls. And it, it really broke my heart to find out at the end that he was actually subject to persuasion by that. Uh, I can't remember the gentleman's name, but the one that basically steps up and says like, this is a King. This is a man that takes action. This is who we need. And he's revealed to be the newest uh, member of the light as well but just seeing everyone's horrified reactions when he turns around and thinks he did something good and not a single person not violet not his sister he even offers his sister he's like all you have to do is support my my reign here and i'll forgive your crimes and she says i can't do it i'm willing yeah. to we both need to turn ourselves in and and halo she could have been the queen but she was like no she just went, goes and hugs Artemis. Yeah, Nightwing and Superboy were just like, dude, you crossed a line that we don't even talk about. Yeah, like, fine, Nightwing, get your team out of here now. Yeah, yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, yeah, I just I think about the hot lava joke, the romance with Violet, just all the fun times we had with Breon along the way, and it really wasn't his fault. He was entirely manipulated. I guess the tendency was there, and I don't know the extent of this. Uh, let me, I guess I should look up his name. Uh, Bazovi? Ambassador Biad Bazovi? Is that it, Bazovi? I, d- I don't know how to pronounce his first name. It's Z-V-I-A-D. Zviad. But he described his power as... Um, like, he kind of influences. Like, because he compared himself to a martial. He's like, I can't take over anybody's mind, but I can, like get them to act on a certain urge. So there was a deep part of, well, probably not that deep because how aggressive Breon is. Sure. But he basically just narrowed in on that and got him to, to push that emotion. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's fair. There's enough dialogue there to where as, as I'm saying he was manipulated, he couldn't have been manipulated if there wasn't that capacity somewhere within him. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But 
Because they say that his brother is weak, but he's the one that actually has the power and the ability to... Yeah, He's only 16 minutes younger. Is that enough to... And I actually think that, I mean, outside of the scope of the show, like I do think that's a, a fair argument what this... But that's we could get into whether or not monarchies are even a, a valuable <laughs> form of government in this day and age. But Fair. <laughs> yeah. And I guess you have a strong enough military because that was a point for them to bring up. It's like you have access yeah. to the whole military. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. But uh, we did have the return of Helga Jace. Like when he said he didn't want to see her. That was it was my first instinct that that was who was going to be who walked in the door. But I thought about it for a second. Maybe. Violet or his sister might try a final last ditch effort to rehabilitate him or something like that. But I will be curious to see the show has a, a tradition of like when we enter a new season, it kind of starts off in an entirely different place. And uh, this season aired what in 2019. Now it's 2021. So that's a good two years. There's always something that stops them from moving forward too. So it's like, yeah, a time gap is Pretty yeah, it's one of those things. Accurate. I don't, I, I don't know if they'll devote like a multiple season arc to it, but I have to imagine that Brion and Markovia and Helga Jace will at least come back. At, at some I'm sure point. I will. Yeah, yeah. Because Tara's uh, sentencing basically was she got adopted by her brother, right? And instead of like jail time, she has to like continue to do good deeds with the outsiders. I was like, all right, yeah, that's a good bit. Yeah, not bad at all. Um, outside of that, uh, we kind of alluded to it, but Lex Luthor does have like his ultimate comeuppance in terms of having to step down as ambassador for the UN. And it is when Black Lightning initially calls him out, but it's not quite enough. Lex is just too quick on his toes and too squirrely. But that's when Cyborg is able to, uh, or uh, Superboy, excuse me. Superboy, uh, Cyborg had the footage of Granny Goodness, but it's Superboy that comes out and says, like, hey, you can do a DNA test on me. I am the product of Lex Luthor and Superman. And then Superman gets to come out and say, like, hey, I look him at as, as a, look at him as a brother. You can trust him. Yeah, the only, the only thing I'll say about Luthor that I didn't like is that there was a bit of an agenda with this show. And while there was a lot of positives that we talked about in the last arc, like, I didn't like what they were framing Luther after because I like his character. So them trying to relate him to somebody in real life was like, don't do that. <laughs> That's just cheap. Come uh, on. Yeah. <laughs> um, it made me cringe a little bit too. <laughs> yes. I mean, he's, he's like this, he's this dapper cunning character. Like everything he says is with like with this swag and like the fact that it went to somebody that I'm not going to say any more on it. Just, I don't like it. Yeah, I think that's that's totally fair. And they I set up the character nicely, and that was a bad deviation. So I'm hoping they get him back on track to like what we like about that character. I'm I'm sure they will. I'm sure they will. And I I won't say I was full on disappointed, but I guess I was a little surprised that they didn't use that like as an opportunity to bring Gordon Godfrey back into the fold. I'm and sure have... we'll have more of him this season. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure we will as well. Um, but on the subject of, of Superboy and him having that, um you know, nice moment to follow through with what the conversation he was having with double X and the Gina Morris, where he's able to acknowledge his brothers as well as acknowledge his own truth. Um, in that we kind of talked about how he and Megan were kind of on the rocks. Like one of the through lines throughout the season is their engagement. 
and uh, she tries to give back the ring. And, you know, she's she's mentions the fact that she brought up the fact or he brought up the fact that she, uh, you know, tried to manipulate him mentally in the past. And he says, you know, forgiving is not the same as forgetting. Exactly. Exactly. And he actually asks asks her to apologize. He asks her to forgive him. And uh, yeah, just a, a really nice heartfelt moment where they can have their ideological differences uh, hash it out and then realize that they're still the most important people in each other's lives. Power couple, am I right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Goals. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, anything else? I oh, just got the last big story after that. What's that? So we just got the big story after that. The big story? Yeah. In terms of what? We're back to having just a Justice League, a covert team, oh, and now yeah, we have yeah. a new leader with a great speech. Yeah. yeah, I can't believe I almost flubbed on that. How can I forget? Yeah, I that? thought we yeah. were just like wrapping it up on a big note. <laughs> no, no, that was that was somewhere. Yeah, that, I had that in the back of my mind. But yeah, I was going to say we, you know, we talked about how Jefferson called out the members of the Justice League, and Aquaman kind of had that opportunity to be like, "Hey, we're sorry about the way it made you feel." This is where it gets to come full circle, and he and Diana both step down as as chairman for the league. And who do they nominate? None other, none other than Jefferson Pierce. Leaving Batman was like, I don't have a vote. I'm not in the Justice League, remember? <laughs> and then he just told him, he was like, dude, you're either in or out. It's like, no, yep. Batman Inc. And Barbara pointed out. So, yeah, you're the only one that calls it that. Mm-hmm. He, was like, he didn't even want it. It's like, that's why we need you. <laughs> now, that's cool because he was like the ethical voice of reason. He was just kind of like, dude, we're gonna do this the right way, and even if we win, even if we lose, we're gonna lose doing it right. And that, I mean, his speech was great. I love how much like everyone reacted to it. But even before the speech, before Jefferson even got there, when Nightwing was like, "I'm surprised everyone showed up," and Batman was like, "You'd be surprised how much respect you command." Cool. Mm-hmm. That's a great development over this time. Yeah, and uh, just speaking to the title of the episode again, like Nevermore, I have to imagine like that's part of Jefferson's speech where he's like, if we're going to do this, we're going to do this the right way. We're going to be in out in the light, <laughs> not that light, but the actual yeah. sunlight. And, and you know, we're going to be a beacon of hope. So again, with season four, I don't know what kind of time jump to expect, but I'm kind of optimistic as much as I like the like covert operations and the subterfuge that are involved with Young Justice. It would be kind of nice at least if in, you know, the first arc, or it doesn't have to be the first arc, like a, just a good solid chunk of episodes we can have the team forthright without any, you know, factions or anything like that and kind of harken back to maybe some of the early times in season one where you just had this tight-knit unit. Yeah. Not that they're not tight-knit now, but their various branches are widespread, as you, and you can tell just in this podcast episode getting confused over character names because there just are so many yeah i'm just i'm hoping that we get to see more of the characters that we have instead of more new characters totally fair totally fair. like i want to see more static i want to see more blue beetle i want to see more uh wonder girl kid um, flash i need more kid flash the more the bart, kid flash the bart version yeah. uh i want the jason todd story to be expanded on oh yeah i want, yeah. I want karen's baby to be expanded on yeah no i'm, I'm glad you bring up the the um 
you just said his name and it lost me. What, Jason uh, Todd. Red, yeah, the Red Hood. Yeah, yeah. They when we were on um the the island with the League of Shadows, there was that nod to it, and we they just never picked that up. I'm trying to think, were there any other seeds like that that were planted? That and Damian Wayne. Oh yeah, Damian Wayne. That's right. Yeah, good call. And then <laughs> it's not in the same vein, but I I we talked about it off air, but with the the credit scene gags with that whole Lobo's finger watching it grow throughout the credits. <laughs> it finally <in> the grows. <laughs> and yeah. So you, over the last few episodes, you'd seen it like start to take on like a body. Like you see little limbs starting to take form. And at the end of this episode, it looks like just like a little mini Lobo naked huddled, hugging himself. And he stands up and smiles to the camera and within like two seconds, just splat. <laughs> he throws a cigar on him, just lights up. oh it's a big fire (laughs) there's only one lobo like i think he knew like what the the incubation time for that was and just came back to earth at that point to deal with it he's like oh yeah i think it's about time come back stomped him and left (laughs) yep i have to imagine it's something like that yeah there's only room enough for one lobo in this galaxy no more no less Yeah. yeah well Unless you've got anything else you want to bring up about this particular episode um, or the season as a whole or expectations for season four, we can kind of bring things to a bit of a close here. I'm definitely excited to be tackling new Young Justice for the first time along with everybody else like we're watching. Well, I, I think we've encouraged a lot of people to check it out for the first time as they've been listening to the show, but just to be with the whole zeitgeist experiencing it at the same time is going to be great. Yeah, thank you, Jay Scotty, and thank you, everybody else who started watching because of this podcast, because now I have more people to talk to about it. Like I said, I've been into this since like end of high school, college, so it's nice to have like a little little circle of hype. The true thanks and appreciation go to you for recommending it and being willing to offer your insights into such a stellar show. We got more stellar shows to talk about, Um, but to end it up on... So it was really cool at the at the last scene with the cafe, like everybody hanging out unmasked and just like chilling out, having a good time, all that stuff. Do you know what a Legion flight ring is? Because the last scene oh. is somebody like pouring coffee and it zoomed in on that ring. And because it was an L, I thought it was like something Luther related, but I'm looking it up right now. It says a Legion flight ring. And apparently it's a group of younger heroes that Superboy was apparently a part of. Oh, okay. I don't know Legion flight specifically, but I know the Legion of Superhero Legion Legion of Superheroes was a thing and uh Superboy Monel. The Monel version of Superboy was definitely a a I, I don't know if he was a founding member, but he was definitely one of the most prolific members of that group. Uh but no, I'm I'm glad you looked that up because I actually I've only watched it the one time. I thought it looked like a flash ring. I thought it was maybe planting some seeds to more time shenanigans with one of the speedsters. Yeah, there's been quite a few different publications for it. Uh, yeah, it? from what I understand, they kind of most of their operations are off on the far reaches of, of the galaxy. It looks like a bunch of younger people too. Yeah, Supergirl, um, Starboy, Invisible Kid, hmm. Superboy, Phantom Girl, Lightning Lad. That's a cool name. Lightning Lad, I do like that. <laughs> Ultra Boy, Monel, Lightning Lass. Oh, Lightning Lad, Lightning Lass. Okay. Timberwolf. Yeah, I don't know any of these people, but yeah, hmm. I guess that's a tease for things to come. 
Well, yeah, we know the the subtitle for the season is Phantoms. So we got Invasion, Outsiders, and now Phantoms. Bum, bum, bum. I wonder. Phantoms, Phantoms. By the way, I'm loving McGann's new look because she's still like a white Martian, but she's not bald anymore. She actually has like the long uh, red hair. I was like, ooh, that looks pretty. When she's in her like human form? No, like in season four, like on one of the like, because oh. like when you scroll over to it on HBO Max, like the first picture is her and Superboy, and she's still like white Martian with her outfit, but she's got like long hair. It's like, ooh, that's a nice. Oh, thing. interesting. Okay, so does she still have like kind of like the protruded brow that we've been seeing? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Yeah, I think there's like five episodes out as we're recording this. Yeah, four or uh, five so we'll, sounds right. We'll record those as a clunk and then try our best yeah. to go on a weekly basis, time permitting. Yeah, yeah. And we'll look forward to bringing in um, some guests for that. I know there are a lot of people out there that are excited for Young Justice, Andrew, um, Andrew Rogers being one, and then John Irons, Miss, uh, excuse me, Captain Game Show himself. So, Miss Haley Hobbs from Source oh, yes. Pages. The esteemed Haley Hobbs, yes, yes. And I'm excited to go back and read all of TJ Stafford's posts in the Strain of Panda chat on Facebook as he writes oh, yeah. every week. And I, yeah. it cringes me that I can't press see more. I'm like, Aah! yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kudos to, T- to TJ for all the feedback. He's uh, sent us a few emails as well as uh, Aaron Dimming. So I think I mentioned we first resumed our coverage of season three that we'll do kind of a catch all on all the feedback we missed out. And we can do that before we... Um, dive into season four but thanks to everybody for listening this has been a really fun ride and uh i couldn't be more excited for season four i'm glad we're finally here and i apologize for the delay let's do this yeah whether you're a panda or you're just a casual listener we love you and appreciate you yeah uh yeah so as far as plugs go i will mention uh with matthew fox at the star wars universe podcast Disney Plus just dropped. It's a little bit after Halloween now, but they did their terrifying tales, their Lego Star Wars uh, special there. So I talked with them about that uh, and they'll have that out later this week, as I understand. So stay tuned for that, as well as everything we've got going on here at Animation Deliberation. Zuhair, anything you want to let the people know about? To tease everybody on that show, give me a thumbs up or thumbs down. What would you think of that show? All right, so full transparency. Just give me thumbs up, thumbs down, because nobody else can see it. Uh, okay. Yeah. Worth watching? Yeah, you uh, you just wanted the simple thumbs up or thumbs down, but at the end of the day, yes. There's a lot of kitty stuff in there, but I think the, the overall jokes make it worth watching. It's 46 minutes, so if you're a Star Wars cool. fan, there's there's enough in there for it to be worth it. Cool. I'm excited to watch that and listen to it then. Uh, for still me... need to watch Visions. Still need to watch Visions. <laughs> I still need to watch Visions. Um, I still need to watch. I still need to finish watching Cowboy Bebop. Hmm. I, I'm, I'm a little more of a time crunch because you guys did Visions. Like I'm trying to prioritize Cowboy Bebop so we could have an episode about it out before the live action. Sure. And then it's going to be the first time we talk about something live action. Uh, so I'm yeah. trying to prioritize that a little bit. But yeah, I definitely need to finish Visions. Um, and also like non podcast related. Uh, there's been a lot of Boruto spoilers going on, so it's just kind of like killing me to not be caught up to that. So I'm trying to add that into the mix whenever I need a break from like whatever we're covering. 
That's um, the one that's a spinoff of Naruto, right? Yeah, it's like okay. everyone's grown up with kids and stuff like okay. that. Okay, cool. We need to do Demon Slayer after the next arc starts up. And okay. the My Hero movie something we got to cover soon. That oh, yeah, yeah. I'm planning on seeing that. Uh, next, <laughs> next weekend's going to be a busy weekend at the movies for me. I'm planning on seeing Eternals. Uh, yeah, it, made, it made millions overnight and it's like the number one movie in the world right now oh I, I heard yeah it's just it's really refreshing to see that uh anime is starting to have like that stronghold in the casual casual audience um but yeah no i, I think i'm going to try and see eternals my hero academia and i might actually try to squeeze in another viewing of dune just because i want to i noticed it's dropped this weekend it was a little bit more than i wanted um, even though the, the sequel is guaranteed, I just want that movie to do well because I loved it so much. So I had to, I had to cuss at somebody in the theater cause it made me so mad. Oh no. <laughs> cause like at AMC, you have reserved seats, right? Uh huh. And so we went to go see my hero on a Saturday and go in and there's this family his dad and his two kids. And they were in my seat. And this is like the third time in the row this has happened too. like you pay for your seat, sit in that seat, trying not to cuss. Reserved, yeah. Um, and I walk up to him and just kind of stare at him dead in the eyes. And he was like, oh, are we in your seats? Do you need us to move? And I was like, you know, damn well, you're in my seats. I was like, no, it's fine. It's an empty theater. I'll yeah. sit slightly over. And of course, I sit behind like these three just obnoxious teenagers. Uh... And there's always that scene in anime movies show where there's a cutback scene and the hero has their emotional moment. Yes, it's a little cringy. We've seen it a million times, but like. They would not stop snickering and laughing and crap. They just were not being subtle, like in the slightest. Uh-huh. A couple of times, like I tapped the back of their seat, like, hey, you know, calm down. Yeah. Getting louder, more annoying. Like I can't pay attention to the subtitles because I'm looking at them. Yeah. So like I got up, slammed my foot down, got like, you know, I grabbed onto the seats and got between their heads because I was behind them. And I was like, you guys are really f- annoying and like pushed their seats up grabbed my stuff and like went to the other side of the theater oh wow yeah yeah i love theaters i love the movie experience but guys just please don't be an asshole if you go to the movies just sit in the seat you paid for be considerate keep your phone off like if it's escapism for anybody else like it is for me like just be a good human being don't, yeah. don't be that guy that I just want to strangle in the back of a yeah. theater. Agreed. Preserve the, the movie theater experience. If there are so many streaming platforms, you if you don't want to treasure the movie going experience, you can always watch it at home. And on the subject of phones, like I know emergencies happen or whatnot, but you can excuse yourself and exit the theater if you absolutely have to check your phone yeah. and take a call. Um, but that's my little soapbox there. <laughs> yeah, like if you can text back, it's not an emergency. I'm sorry. Yeah. If yeah. it's an emergency, you run out of there or you call. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Um, I think that's everything that I've got. So. <laughs> sorry to end it on that obnoxious PSA, but God, did that get me fired up? Because I'm just going to think about this movie and just think about how much I hated those three jackasses. <laughs> I have not had that, uh, that bad a movie going experience. I don't think ever... Uh, when I went to see Justice League, there was a similar instance where there were like some 12, 13 year olds where I could just tell they weren't even being like, I guess they weren't like ragging on the movie or anything like that, even though it's not a great movie, but just the volume and frequency yeah. at which they were talking. I was like, OK, this is going to annoy me. So I just moved myself to another part of the theater. But yeah, yeah there's a couple of times where I've been like, like, I think the only time that I got 
I don't even want to say fume, but there was a point where it's like there was a quiet part of the movie. So I yelled, turn off your phone because like it was a dark movie and you kept seeing his light at like full brightness go up. Yeah, uh, I, I think that's the closest I've gotten. There's a couple of things where it's like I'm irritated, but I don't say anything. But God, were they just really it's like, dude, there's you guys, me and my friend. And then this one family over here, like, mm. shut up. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> we, we shouldn't end things on a negative note, but I could actually go down like a laundry list of like theater pet peeves. Like, <laughs> anyway. if we get enough emails, let's do an episode on like <laughs> theater pet peeves or like funny stories. So, yeah. as always, animation deliberation podcast at gmail.com. Right in. <laughs> if we get enough emails about horror theater stories, then uh, actually, we may do an episode on it. Just a little test to see who all listens to the end of the episode. I do want to just put a prompt out there. If you want to hit us with some feedback, let us know what the first animated film that you got to see in theaters was. And actually, it's uh, kind of worth noting the first two movies. Uh, I guess it's not that uncommon, I guess, for young kids to probably go see animated uh, features as their first films. But the first two movies that I have vivid mo- memories of seeing in theaters are 1994's the page master, which was actually a live action animation hybrid in which Macaulay Culkin like goes into the world of books. But then I also got to see toy story, which is fitting because we just did uh, we didn't mention it, but we did do a reaction to the Lightyear trailer that's out there. So uh, stay tuned for that as well. So let us know what was the first animated feature you saw in theaters. I can't think of anything before the Pokemon movie. Oh, okay. That's a good one. I mean, I'm, I'm sure I have, but that's the only one I can remember. That was like 1999. Yeah. Okay. I think before that, because the Lugia one was called Pokemon 2000. Oh, right. Okay. Maybe 90. Uh, it couldn't have been too. That too movie f- aged very well. I haven't seen it in, in years. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so you haven't seen it. I'm like, huh? Oh, no, no. I've seen it. Yeah. I, I was... mean, two of the greatest quotes like in history came from Meowth and Mewtwo. <laughs> like, oh, what are they? Oh, I got to look it up. <laughs> I was going to say, as far as Pokemon goes, like I'm a, I'm an original 150, that generation. But once you get past yeah. that, like once that movie came out, I kind of that's when um, I won't say I aged out of it. It was just, uh, yeah, just other things started to uh, occupy my attention. But we are definitely in the weeds at the end of this episode. So <laughs> thanks, everybody, for tuning in for this long and uh, continue to tune in. That's T-O-O-N-I-N. Stay whelmed. Thank you for listening to the Animation Deliberation Podcast, a proud member of the Stranded Panda Network. If you would like to contact us, you can email animationdeliberationpodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at animationdelib1. For this and other great shows, you can visit strandedpanda.com or join the great community that is the Stranded Panda Chat Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash svchat. Tune in next time, and remember, stay whelmed.